When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we have got a treat. We have got one of the all-time greats, if not the all-time great, somebody that likes to hide in the background and let her players do the talking. She was, is the coach of UCLA women's team for the last 27 years, only the third coach to have the position, uh, the second longest tenure coach at UCLA, which is a great milestone for a female head coach at a big time school, all-time leader in victories, and NCAA champion in 2008 and 2014. And I feel like I was there in 2014 because we were practicing at your facility. But we've got Stella Sampras on the show. Stella, thank you for taking the time to come on. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here, and thank you for all those uh, acknowledgments. Uh, it's it's been a great ride. <laughs> so when you think of your last name, right? Only a first name made like Stella could overshadow it. I mean, like I don't think <laughs> anybody calls you Stella Sampras. They just call you Stella. Right. And when you're trying to make your mark in tennis, I don't know if your parents knew what they were doing by like, no matter how great your siblings are, we want this kid to have her own identity. <laughs> they gave you the best name in the world uh, to overshadow a last name like Sampras. So thank uh, you, Stella Sampras. I'm like, oh, have you talked to Stella? Right. I know. I am. I mean, it is, you know, growing up when I was younger, I hated my name because it was like not a typical name and you always wanted to kind of fit in with your friends and stuff. So I didn't like my name, but, um, you know, it is a great name. I mean, I've had a lot of people, you know, use the Marlon Brando Stella thing and, um, and that's always been fun. And, um, so yeah, I really do appreciate my name. It's nice to have, you know, nowadays it's nice to, have uh you know a, a name that's you know not very common so um it's yeah it, it goes with Sampras so I like it it's a nice <laughs> nice uh nice thing so, so thank you <laughs> well, let me just say this so I am very familiar with UCLA I'm a fan of the school if someone asked me told me that they wanted to go pro but needed a year or two to mature UCLA is number one on my list of recommendation because from what I see at the program, you all run it where the kids have a lot of responsibility. They self-manage their schedule. They practice two or three mm -hmm. times a day and the coaches are always available. Is that what you think mm -hmm. is so special? Because I mean, you all have, I mean, we're going to go down a list later of players that have transitioned to the tour successfully, but I mean, like, how have you systematically made UCLA such a powerhouse so often? 
Well, I mean, UCLA is a name, obviously, and people want to come come to UCLA. So I'm really fortunate to have such a great, you know, great place to be at. And, you know, and, and I have to say my, my assistant coach, Rance Brown, has been a huge, you know, help to me and a great, one of the best coaches out there in the country. So um, I think we just put a good team together with both Rance and I were both very different. Um, and then just having a place like UCLA where it has the, the whole package of, you know, the tennis history, the, you know, every sport at UCLA is super strong and then having the academics and it's not bad to be in right in LA where there's like so much action and people, people do like to be, you know, in, in a big city. And, and I think it's just, uh, you know, a place where people enjoy and, and not only all of that, but it's like, you know, the weather, you can't beat the weather too. And to be able to play outdoor tennis all year round is a great thing. And, I think, you know, the players that have come through our program have, um, you know, improved. And that's our whole goal is always to, to develop our players to be the best they can be. If it's going pro, if it's just graduating, that's always our goal. And I feel like we're pretty authentic and, and real and honest with uh, our players. And um, it's, I think Rance and I have, you know, have done a nice job of, of just, um keeping it real and working, you know, like you said, it takes uh, a full team to, um, you know, develop a player with, you know, you have to have a good staff and, but I am proud. I am proud of what we've done and, you know, it doesn't get easier every year is, you know, a new year of recruiting and trying to get the right player, the right fit for our team. And um, so it's, it's, it's a great place. I just feel like UCLA is a great place. And I, I'm just fortunate to be able to, to be, you know, a coach here for this many years and been around, you know, just the best players in the country. Yeah. You know, the first time I parked at the parking deck and walked down the stairs to the courts, I think the the football field was under construction, right? The practice field. And I was thinking if I was a coach here, I would say, go walk around campus, meet me back in my office. And I have the pen and paper ready for you to sign. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. <laughs> so, so has, has it gotten harder? Because you look at like programs like UNC, um, who's had a good run, Stanford, Arizona State. They've all, you know, got Desiree Krawcheck and a few players that are on tour now. Like, has it oh, gotten yeah. harder now? I mean, I remember when you all came to go play the indoors and it was like Abby Forbes and his crew and out now with the transfer portal and NIL. Maybe that uh, at one point where it's like, go walk around. But now it's like, I got to keep you. I got to sell you. Yes, it has gotten a lot harder. I mean, gosh, there's so much more parity now and such great programs, great coaches. And, you know, players, you know, again, are coming from all over the world now, I think more than ever. And all those things you mentioned are a big factor to, you know, a lot of the players and parents, they want, you know, the best for their kid. And so they're going to try to get the best, you know, the best for them. And, and what is that? Some, yeah, financially, it, it could help players and, and families. So you really need to know, know your recruit and try to compete with all these other schools that, you know, may have more things. Every, every school has a great facility. Um, 
Mm-hmm. All the schools have just upped their game. And so it is definitely more competitive in recruiting. And so it's, it's definitely made us have to go into like the portal and go overseas. And we're not getting, you know, it's not automatic that, you know, we're going to get the top Americans that you say, we've got to work for it. So, um, but it makes, I think, college tennis so much stronger. I think the, the level of tennis has gotten really strong because of all of that. You know, we're getting players that are not turning pro right away and they're playing, going to a college and playing college tennis. And then you're getting players from all over the world um, as well. So the level of competition is, is really very, very high, which uh, makes it really exciting. Um, And I think it's good for college tennis to have so much parity. Like you've got schools from all over the the country doing well, and there's a lot of movement. So it's, uh, I think it's, it's tougher, but it's, I think it's, it's good for the, good for the game. So, so let me ask you this, because you all, when I think of UCLA, I think of like, you know, Abby Spears, Shibahara, everyone mm-hmm. thinks about, I'm from the Midwest, right? So we think about Kyle McPherson and, and then like everyone knows Jen Brady. So when mm-hmm. do you advise players to move on, right? Because I think when Jen Brady was there, I don't think she played one for you, right? Did she? No, no. And, and then no. And then Grand Slam to the final. So when do you advise a player to move on? Like if I'm a sophomore when would Stella walk up to me and say hey you know what I think you should turn pro (laughs) well it's funny Jenny Brady was a different you know she's a phenomenon like we knew our first day of practice with her this this person's not gonna stay for four years just by the way she hit the ball I mean she she was gonna be a pro and You know, with Jenny, she came in and we had Robin Anderson, our number one player playing for us. So she came in on a very, with a very strong team with Robin and Chanel Van Wyn and Kyle McPhillips, like you said. And um, so she, she played two and three for us. Her, her first year she played two and she just, yeah. What, and she just said, I don't care where I play. I just want to play the right way. And I have so much respect for her um, with that kind of mindset that the number didn't matter. She just wanted to improve and continue to develop. And I was just uh, so pleased to hear that. And I, I tell that all the time to my current, my current team and my, you know, freshmen that come in because uh, I think it made a huge difference with her and just the way she, she went about with her, with her tennis and you know by her second year she was you know she we, she played a lot of pro tournaments and you could tell that her game was just uh, getting bigger and bigger and um she was very upfront with us as well like that she wanted to be a pro and turn pro and after that that first year she took the fall off and then did really well i think she made it up to like 250 and she, we knew that was going to be her last year with us. So, you know, it's just a, you know, a team effort. We talk to their coaches. And for me, it's like, as long as they're up front with us and they let us know that they're, this is where they're thinking and, and, and what they want to do, we're, we're fine with it. We want them out there to succeed. And obviously we, we do give their input, but, 
you know, if they have the finances and, and they have a good team around them, you'd never know. I never want to hold back a player to turn pro if, if they have, you know, a good team around them and, and, um, we feel like they'll they'll be successful. Then we're all for it. We want Bruins out there on the pro tour and doing well. So, um, but I would have to say, you know, Jenny Brady was was just, um, you know, we knew she was going to be special out there, and she was she was all about her tennis, and she we were very very fortunate to have her, and um, it was really neat to see her her runs, and I I know she'll be coming back, and and um, you know get back to where she was when she she got injured so um yeah so, she was, so she explain, was that, explain that to us because one of the things i think when you think about like football and basketball you don't see many of them taking the fall off can you explain mm-hmm. that to the listeners in terms of tennis maybe taking the fall off to travel but then coming back in the spring right when there's like the dual match season and your scholarship is still waiting for you Right. A lot of times, uh, you know, I think freshmen should go the full year. And then if they've made some jumps and they want to like build up their points, the fall is mainly individual. It's all individual tournaments. So they can either play the college tournaments um, and pro because we also do take players to play some pro tournaments as well. But some of them want to do it more full time without school. So they can take the fall off and then come back in January when the season uh, starts and then play the, the season out. And again, sometimes that they just kind of get a good feel of where they're at uh, as far as score and, and the points. And if they want to like, that could be their last year, they come back and play, you know, the following fall or take a, you know, they have to just make sure that they keep up with their credits. So if they do take another fall off, they need to take some classes um, either during the summer or maybe even during the fall and take them online. So you just keep up with your credits. Um, It is common with a lot of, a lot of players that want to, you know, play professional and want to build up their points. Got it. So they have to catch up the next summer. So if I take the fall off, I come back in the spring, I need to catch up before next fall. I can't just add another semester after my four years is up. No, no. Yeah, Uh, you definitely, and we're on UCLA, we're on quarters. So, you know, we have three classes in the fall that they would have to make up the following, following fall. So there are some NCAA rules where you have to keep up your credits by your sophomore and junior year. Okay. So another question is, you know, we, we talked about when you would advise a player to leave, like when they've shown signs that they are ready and can't compete. Uh, when do you stop recruiting a player? Because obviously, you know, like if I'm a college coach and I have a player that's top 50 ITF, and they're mm-hmm. undecided on whether or not they're going to turn pro or go to college. Maybe they're waiting until they see how they do after junior Wimbledon. You know, like when mm-hmm. do you stop recruiting a player before you lose a really good recruit waiting on maybe somebody that's top 20 in the world and undecided on college or not? That's a tough question. And, question and, and there have been times where it's worked out for us. And then there have been times where it didn't work out for us, where we're like all of a sudden counted on a player that would come to UCLA 
um, like Caroline Dolahide. We recruited her up until probably the summer before, but she was very, again, very upfront with us. If she got to a certain point, she was going to go pro. So it was looking like it was going to go that way. So we kind of got prepared to make sure we had someone back, a backup to, to take that spot. But, you know, you have to just kind of follow and and communicate with the, the recruit and the family and just make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page and just so we know, but I mean, yeah, nowadays, if you don't, if you, if that happens, then, you know, there might be times when, okay, I don't, I couldn't sign anyone for the fall, but then I can get someone in January. So there are some things that you can do to just kind of catch up if, you know, all of a sudden this player turned pro and you weren't expecting it. Mm. Um, there's not a certain, I mean, I would say there's not a certain time frame. I would just, I would just make sure that you just know, you know, what you got, what you, what your backups are. And of course you don't want to lose a good backup. So you kind of have to make decisions and sometimes you, you make the right one or the wrong one. It's just, it's, it's just sometimes a matter of a little luck there. But I think if you communicate with the recruit and the family, just at least you know all the information and then you just can make a good decision of like what you want to do. Either hold off and um, wait on the, the, the recruit or just say, well, we need, a, we need a decision right now. And then they can move on and then we move on. But um, I, there's been so many different situations like that and they're all very different. There's no like one you know, one way to do it, I would say. Um, it's just you you always want to try to get the best best person in the, in the program, and um, it works out sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. I remember Delana Hewitt was another one that was, like, on the fence on whether or not to come. Name yeah. a player that you were like, damn, if this player didn't go pro and came to us for a year, we would have won a national championship that year. Oh boy. Um, well, Caroline Dolahide would have been a great one. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we would have won, but she's amazing. Um, there have been a few that we, you know, you know, Reese Brantmeyer, we recruited to the end and she mm. chose North Carolina. I mean, um, mm. we were right in there, but, um, you know, <laughs> who else? Oh gosh. We go back to Alexandra Stevenson. We went back there. We almost, she would have come to UCLA if she didn't turn pro. Oh We've yeah. had quite a few uh, <laughs> that would have come here uh, if they didn't turn pro. Um, boy, it's, uh, it's been a while back, but uh, those are, yeah, those are a few. Um, so, so let me, so. We, we, we see so many names that are always in the running and so many names that always land on the team, right? How, mm. from a lineup standpoint, right? Like, you know, if you look at it and say, okay, Carol, you know, uh, Denny Brady is playing two and number three. How do you decide, mm-hmm. right? Because is it a challenge? Like, you know, when I went to school, when I was in college, we played challenge ladder every week for our spots. And in some weeks, the mm-hmm. coach is just like, no, you're playing here because I don't trust you here. And I need you to play here and be a guarantee, right? How do you sort of manage number one, the players' egos, number two, yeah, the parents, and then number three, mm-hmm. putting people where they sort of can, where the team can win. Right. You know, it all starts with the recruiting 
process. I mean, I never guarantee a player they're going to play a spot, but I do tell them, you know, this is our number one goal is to win a team championship. So I'm going to, you know, we're going to help them and train them to be the best they can be, but we're still looking to make, you know, to get four points. So there, there might be a situation where, you know, I think mostly the freshmen that come in, I would put them lower than I would my upperclassmen. So with Jennifer coming in, we had Robin Anderson playing one, actually her whole four years. So for Jenny, she, you know, came in, she didn't dominate like she did her second year. So she had some growing pains there. And I think it was a great spot for her to play two or three her first year and second year. But having Robin at one, she just had the experience. And she was very, you know, obviously comfortable up there and winning up there. So it made sense for that situation. But, yeah, we'll have kids that want to play high, which is great. We want them to play high. But, again, we want to make sure that we put people in in spots that, for one, you know, the freshmen have to kind of earn it. And then, you know, the upperclassmen have been through the system. They're more probably more confident, more experience playing in the college, you know, college stage, and um, they will probably play a little bit higher um, if it came down to it being very close. But I don't do challenge matches. I do look at results. I look at everything. Um, And it's just communicating, making sure the players know kind of where they stand and being really honest with them, even though it could be, you know, not what they want to hear. I think that's been the best way for for me, because um, I never want to lead lead players on. I, I want them to know where they're at, and they're at UCLA, so it's not going to be. It's going to be very competitive, and I think that that's where I, the players are the best is when they we do have a competitive team, and they are competitive, you know, with each other, but in a healthy way. Like they they're going to make each other better by being competitive. And I think that's been where, you know, we've had like the best success and people buying in. And when you're winning as a team, a lot of things just, you know, you don't have a lot of the issues that you would if you were losing. Mm -hmm. So luckily we won a lot. So I haven't, you know, I've been able to kind of keep people happy and keep people, you know, understanding the team concept of this is why you're here and, and once they get through a year, they get it. Once they're at NCAAs and they see that it doesn't matter what number they're at, if they can win, if you can win a team title, it's the best experience in the world. Playing those dual matches and just winning as a team, it really doesn't matter where they're playing. And to, to win it is, is a dream. Um, and it's, it's definitely, I feel like that's where they get it after that first year. Yeah. So does the transfer portal now with players being able to be unhappy and leave without having to sit sit out a year, does it influence where you play people? Do you kind of like, oh, well, forget it. Let me just play her at number three because she's going to like, you know, leave if I don't sort of succumb to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, I'm lucky at UCLA. I don't know. A lot of them don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> right, we're going to leave and walk in the um, snow on the East Coast, right, guys? Don't do that. Don't leave 
I would say the ones that the ones that want to leave are the ones that aren't playing, and I think that's for uh, the majority of the players. And I get that. I get they want to play in the lineup. If they're playing seven eight on the bench, then I can see like there might be another place where they could play higher and more, you know, more consistent in the lineup. But um, yeah, I mean, we've been fortunate that we've had, uh, you know, I want to say like our graduation rate's great. Like we, we, I think not that I do anything. I think it's just trying to keep the players, you know, not necessarily happy, but just like, understand where they're at they're they're appreciate where they're at and i think once they understand that you know i think they they'll either stay or if they're not playing i think they'll just in transfer and i would i would encourage that if i don't think they're going to play you know the next two mm-hmm. or three years then i would say it might be a better place to go somewhere else mm-hmm. so it's a great thing that they could you know get into to see and 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 could be a better fit for them you know, at another place. I mean, we've definitely had players, we've had players transfer in the past and, you know, it's just sometimes it is not a good fit um, with the way they see things, the way I see things are going to be, are different. And I I think it's, it's, it's good for them to move on, go somewhere else where they feel they're going to be happier. So who was the best player that you've had that didn't turn pro that you thought, okay, this kid has it. I mean, in tennis, we actually see a lot of kids who have the ability, but you know, lucky for them have other options, right? They don't have to go and grind down a tour. Can you name a player that was like on your team and you like, man, this girl's got it. Like she, it'd be a rough year or two, but this girl will be top hundred in the world, but they never tried it. Mm, oh, wow. <laughs> uh. That's a tough one because most of them will try it. You know, most of the top ones will try it, but I think it's the ones that they try it, but they don't love it. They don't love the tour. And if Mm. they love the tour, then maybe they could have done it because it's a grind. You have to get through a few, a couple of years of the grind to really have a chance to get in the top hundred. And we've had players like a Carrie Phoebus who won NCAAs for us years ago um, probably 20 years, 25 years ago, I think, you know, had the mentality to be great, um, and do well, but, um, I just don't think she liked the lifestyle of the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of them have, have at least tried it, but again, like they just, you know, it's tough. It's tough out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm for. I'm happy that a lot of our t- players are still out there. Robin Anderson's still out there, and we got one of the nicest you know, people Catherine, on the planet. Yes, and Catherine Harrison has done really well, and I mean, there have been you know quite a group of of Americans that played for for us uh, in the 2000, I think, 14 team. That um, most of them are. are some of, I mean, I don't want to play most, but some of them are still playing out there, which is great. But, um, yeah. Well, uh, you've been so generous with time. I got to ask one last question because obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I coach a bunch of kids. I've coached some pros. You deal with the parents and all this kind of stuff. How many times mm-hmm. have you had to pull out on the parent? Uh, ma'am, my brother won 14 Grand Slams. I know what I'm doing. Just go ahead. <laughs> 
Just, just, go, just go have a seat. Just please let me let me do this. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, there's always a few. Um, but again, like when we're doing well and winning, you don't hear from them, and it's 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 that's the key. Um, and we've done really well. But I mean, I I really don't get too involved with the parents if they they want to call me they can but most of them have pretty much stay away and you know why i really tell the the our our current players if you have a problem you know come talk to me i do not want to hear from your parents like i really emphasize the the independence of the of you know these college age kids to be more independent from their parents and really you know, express themselves, express their um, unhappiness or whatever it is to, you know, directly to me or to the staff so that we can work it out ourselves. So I, I, I say that the first meeting of our, you know, of our team um, in the fall, and I think they really don't want their parents to get involved. Um, so I think we just do a good job of making sure we, we communicate with the players and, and for them to grow and, and learn how to, you know, um, express themselves to us when it's uncomfortable. And it's, I know it's, it's, and I think that's a great thing for them to learn because obviously when they leave UCLA or any school, they're going to have to deal with their bosses and coworkers uh, in uncomfortable situations. So I'm open. I'm an open door policy. They can come see me, talk to me. I'm very good listener. I will be open to anything. And I feel like that, um, has, you know, helped them feel more comfortable comes directly to me if they have any issues. So I'm very fortunate. I haven't had a lot of problems with parents uh, coming in and trying to, you know, um, change things or do anything. So, um, I think that's, I think having rants with me as well is a, is a great, great thing. Us as a team, uh, we work well together and, um, you know, um, it's, uh, we've been really fortunate to, yeah, to right, be, rant, be really directly. Rants is so great. I mean, when I'm, when I'm on your court, there's been a few times where the energy wasn't right. And I'm like, Rance, why don't you come on over here? Just, just, bring, <laughs> just bring your smile. Your skin looks great. Your shirt is tucked in. You look like a million bucks. <laughs> Every day, even after practice, the shirt is still tucked in and the hat is still on straight. Come over here, reset the energy on my court because we're having a rough day. <laughs> and yeah, no, he he's the best. He's the best dress coach I think of anyone, and he presents himself like so, so like such a professional. And he does. He has such a great way with the kids and so much experience. He's a, such a great coach. And, you know, he's always brings so much knowledge to, you know, the girls, to the coaches, to, you know. Um, so we're very fortunate. He's really been, you know, such a great, uh, great, great person to work with. And I'm, I'm really look. That's really what's kept me in this, I think, uh, for so long, because it's so much fun with him. Last question. You've got two young up-and-comers yourself, Sophia and Savannah. I think I had a chance to yeah. feed like 15 balls side to sides and those long legs. I was like, <laughs> I remember we were on the backside. I was like, come on, every girls, let me see what you got. Since your mama is such mm -hmm. a good coach, let me see what you got. How is it raising daughters of your own to play now? 
It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I. It's very stressful. It's harder than uh, watching my team play. That's for sure. Watching your kids play, I really feel for parents. It's not easy. And just navigating them through this junior tennis is is so difficult. And luckily, my husband is very involved, and he's the one kind of kind of uh, traveling with them. He's a dadager. And um, <laughs> so he's got the tough job uh, of, of traveling and, and, you know, reporting scores to me. Um, but it's tough. It is hard. It's stressful. Um, but it's also joyful, too. You know, as we know with sports and the highs and lows, the highs are so, so great. So great to see your kid happy and just, see, you know, growing up and learning. Um, but the lows are tough. The mm. lows are tough. I can't tell you how many times, you know, they just didn't think they could do it anymore. And I just said, just stay in it. Just stay in it. It'll be worth it. Don't quit on me. So it it's it's not easy. It's so much emotion, but I'm so grateful they're still playing and they're going to play college tennis. And it's it's just going to be. I'm just so happy that um, yeah they'll they'll get to experience uh, college tennis and and just be an athlete on campus. And it's uh, very happy for them. Well, I want to thank you for your time. It's always great seeing you. I you know. One of the things I always admire about you is your nice, calm demeanor. You will like come on court and have been there for five minutes and I wouldn't have noticed you in the back corner. You like walk so soft <laughs> and talk. I mean, I, when I walk on the court, you see me coming, right? You know, but you just yeah. <laughs> happen to just like appear out of nowhere and never saw you there. So your demeanor is admirable. I don't know how you do it because I feel like I've yelled and screamed on your courts more than you. <laughs> Oh, but, oh but I want to thank, thank you for taking the time out. Wish you luck this season. Uh, it's never easy thank and it really gets harder with all the changing rules, but you are one of the best. And I want to congratulate you on your 500th victory. Oh, thank you so much. I feel very fortunate. I, it's, it's been a great place for me and I, I love being at UCLA and, um, and it's, I'm just, yeah grateful to to be able to be in it for this long and hopefully many more years all right well this has been the tennis.com podcast with the all-time winningest coach in ucla women's history stella sampras thanks for listening thank you stella thank you come on